You're listening to the Soul Ties Podcast with Kenyon and Takar Martin, counselors and authors of Journey to Freedom, The Soul Ties Detox. We bring awareness to toxic relationships, promote singles growth, and support couples strengthening. Here on the Soul Ties Podcast, we answer your emails, DMs, and live questions. So join us every week on Facebook Live Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, where you can connect with us on air. Send us your questions through Facebook Messenger or visit us at askthemartins.com. Now, let's get into today's episode. If you're tuning in from iTunes um, later on, go ahead and pause right now and leave a review, a written review, because what we like to do right now is we're giving away product. So when you leave a written, written review, we will be giving away a free book of the Soul Ties Detox to you. Last week, we said if you shared, so go ahead and share right now. If you shared the podcast live while we were on, you would get a copy of the Soul Ties Detox. So I'm going to be calling out Shatoma Tolliver. If you're here, you're getting a copy of Journey to Freedom. Send us a message on um, Facebook Messenger with your address, and we will get a book out to you this week. Come on, Shatoma. Come on, Shatoma. Send us, I mean, go ahead and send us a message. You win from last week. You shared the Soul Ties Detox, and so we thank you for that. And then lastly, my last announcement uh, for today If you're going to Woman Evolve, make sure you find us. We are hosting the Soul Ties Self-Care Station. We have lots of free and premium goodies there for you to take away and begin to take care of your mind, body, and soul with the Soul Ties team. Okay, so make sure you visit us. And that's it. That's all I got today, babe. You go ahead and take it over. Okay. I'm I'm sorry. I'm rolling inside in front of Jeanette here. She's going she's going just start raving mad. Jeanette, you I'm are sick special. Of Jeanette. We do love you. We about to block we, her. We, we, <laughs> promise, we promise we do love you. Hey, listen, our what we're doing is we're doing right now, hopefully we can end this this evening. Yeah. Uh, a series on narcissism. It's very important that we were able to do this. Here's the reason why we want to we went ahead and went into narcissism. Um, number one, there's a lot of misinformation or information and misinformation about it. If you Right. If you Googled it and, and nine times out of 10, those of you who are interested in it have Googled it at one time or another and found just a whole bunch of stuff and you don't know which way to go, what to believe or whatever the case may be. Right. Also, people find themselves in toxic relationships with narcissists or narcissistic people and just don't know the symptoms, behaviors or um, what what am I looking at? What am I dealing with? So we had to go through that. Um, people who have dealt with narcissism mm-hmm. and they have found the that their previous mate or or current mate is a narcissist or or narcissistic find themselves obsessed with the idea so what we wanted to do was provide answers in order to help you identify and then move on yes because that obsession can hurt you in the long run we yeah. want you to close doors not open new doors and we want to help those who are seeking for ways to approach uh, this narcissistic a uh, uh, problem or toxic problem in their relationship, whether they're dating, uh, whether they're married to someone, whether they're an outside source of help, yes. uh, like a church or or, or, or like a, a coach, if you will, and or and we want to really speak out to the narcissists themselves, and that's where our last messages will end today. So, yes. really quick, what uh-huh. we have already covered in the other three, okay? Just go just, ahead, review like Bible study. <laughs> <laughs> what we have already covered. 
Okay, so what we've already covered is we've covered the nine characteristic behaviors in narcissistic personality disorder. Yes. We brought out the three most dangerous ones, which called a dark triad, which which puts them on a border to um, psychopathic, sociopathic type behavior. Yeah. Okay, that was week one. Week two, we went into, we answered some questions specifically about narcissistic personality disorder. What was it? Um, is it a behavior? Is it, is it just emotional or is it emotional? Is it biological and is yes. it a disease? That was in week number two. And we looked at some red flag behaviors that really got in, not just those nine, but some deep, deeper behaviors and practices that goes on there. Week number three was, was just last week. We talked and spoke towards the covert narcissist. Right. The reason why we took the time to do that is because the covert narcissist is the one that you really don't see their whole MO or modus operandi or how they act in public right. is to not be seen as who they are. Um, it's natural for them. We also talked about dating the narcissist. So we answered the question of what do you do when you date one? That's last week. It should be up on the podcast. Oh, no, and no, 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 they're, no. They're all up on the podcast. Oh, okay. So it's up on the podcast right now. And we still have it up on Facebook, right? Yes, it okay. is. So that expires Saturday, Saturday evening. Um, and then we also talked, we had the opportunity to talk to a young lady directly in the, in our interaction last week. Right. And she was very upset. She was very angry. She was very abused. She was she ready was, to retaliate. Right. She was, she, I mean that, but that's what it is. That's what narcissists do to you. She was getting her, um, she, she was going through character assassination. She was dealing with everything that he was doing and it was right. really unfair that she had to sit there and take it. But we encouraged her to move in silence because that that protects her. So we did talk about that last week and you can hear what we said to her about last yeah, week. Yes, so visit us on iTunes. Go to iTunes or SoundCloud and now as of today we are also available on Stitcher if you're familiar with that platform as well. So you can find us in any of those platforms and listen to all of the episodes in this series. We hope you've enjoyed it thus far. We're going to pray that this is the last one and then we'll get back to answering some letters next week. Absolutely. We want to get back to answering your letters so continue to send those letters and we will answer them specifically. All right. <laughs> Am I sounding too wired? You you sound There's a little wired. This, this man then had an energy drink and... <laughs> Um, I'm very afraid. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, okay. Let's go ahead and jump into it because this week we're talking about the person who's married to the narcissist. We're also talking about um, those people who help, help, help those people who we go to for help. Yeah. So okay. who, yes, yes. Um, and we're talking to the narcissist themselves. Um, the first thing that we want to do is we want to talk to the helpers. I think we should start there. Yeah. One of the things that happens um, to a lot of us who have been in these situations is it takes a long time for somebody who is the victim of a narcissistic spouse, especially. It takes a very long time for them to get up the courage and get up the guts to even go to somebody and say, I need help. Right. Why? Because we've maintained an image outside of the home as if nothing's wrong. Um, because we've been dealing with things like last week, that covert behavior that we can't even pinpoint what's going on. Um, and so we feel crazy. So we feel crazy even trying to get help for it, for it. And then we also, if you come from a certain type of background or culture, it's frowned upon to ask for help outside of your marriage. And so it takes a very long time for somebody who's in this type of relationship to reach out for help. 
And the one of the most discouraging and painful things that can happen is when you go to those people, you go to those who are helped, you go to a counselor, you go to a pastor, um, you go to someone, sometimes a coach um, who's dealing in this area and they invalidate what you're feeling simply because they do not understand what's going on. Absolutely. So I want to direct this to those people, those helpers. And and, and I won't be honest, uh, when we put together this information, church helpers were in mind because the church is the first place we go mm-hmm. in order to get rescued emotionally. Yeah. That's the very first place we go. And it's very important that those people who are in the churches who have not gone through any kind of licensing, or hasn't gone through any kind of training, understand how used they can be by the narcissist. Mm-hmm. So number one thing I want you to understand, and if anyone wants to write this down to pass this on, um, the first thing I want you to understand is that as a helper, as a counselor or someone who just wants to help someone get through some stuff, right? you are vulnerable to the behavior of the narcissist. You are vulnerable to their flattery, whether it be light or heavy. Um, If you carry a title, more than likely they will be sitting right beside you because those are the things that draw them. They want to be around people with titles as well as they want to carry one themselves and they want to be looked highly upon by the person who has the title. Um, Everything they do is designed to hide from you. Um, they, everything they do is designed to be admired by you. Um, they want to control your perception and they really, really, really want to escape critique from you. So you've got to understand that you're pinpointed on, on their, um, innate or natural, uh, ability and list to hide from. Yes, ma'am. Well, and, and again, um, not even again. So one of the things that happens when you have a narcissistic spouse, Um, And you try to go to, let's just say, a lay counselor or a pastor, you know, a minister, something like that. One of the things that tends to happen is a narcissist is moved by titles. They're moved by power, which means they're moved by being connected to people in positions of power with titles. And so when you try to go to someone for help, chances are that person has always esteemed that that leader that you're going to that person is always flattered that the the person that you're going to so because what happens is you notice they're never going to be like disagreeable with you going to that person for help oh no go to so-and-so they know me go to so-and-so it's cool because what they've done they've pr'd themselves and their personality to that church leader specifically because they know that if you were to go to them for help it renders you defenseless because they've put on such a good performance to everybody outside of you that it's like okay when you go to that pastor that pastor is like well shoot i never saw that because of that right there absolutely so pastor helper uh lay counselor what have you as a victim of their targeting you can easily become the victimizer what that means is is that when someone because you're under a false pretense of who that person is when their spouse comes to you for help you can say things like i don't see that or they talked to me and they seem kind of open about the situation. They told me they were imperfect, but it sounds oh, like yes. you got the problem. Yes. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So you can become a, what's called a secondary victimizer and really 
um, uh, uh, create a bigger emotional uh, destruction for that person who really needs that help. Oh my God. Makes because, sense? Yes. I'm sorry. Again, this is my wheelhouse. I know this people. I know this person. And so one of the things that I think the first thing that you'll hear, especially if it's an accounting situation, if they do go to counseling, it's going to be one time just to prove that they write about who they are. Um, but a lot of times you hear them say, well, I, I'm not perfect. I mean, I know I'm not the perfect spouse, but I'm just trying to do the best I can. And I'm just trying to love them and do this and do that. And so one of the things that the the counselor, the leader, especially if you go to somebody in the church, a lot of times they're going to see that as somebody who has a contrite heart well they know they're not perfect they know that they don't do everything right but it seems like they're really trying i talked to so-and-so it seems like they're really really trying to do this what's wrong with you have you tried to consider that maybe you might be doing something wrong maybe you're not submitting enough mm -hmm. maybe you're not listening to them enough and so it becomes a situation where everything that we're taught to be biased really begins to work against a victim in this type of relationship and it is an abusive relationship because you're trying to be biased, you're also missing key signs and key things that that person that's going to you for help is actually really enduring. Right. I recommend some type of and some level of training when it comes to lay counseling or so being someone that you can lean on in church. Uh, I tell you what, the atmosphere of church nowadays is really and, and, and a lot of the atmosphere, not all of it, but a lot of it is predicated upon talk, articulation, yeah. speech. And narcissists are very articulate. You have to understand that admission of uh, of of admission does not equal contrite right what equals contrite is admission acknowledgement and working on it in a consistent pattern and yes. consistent way we're going to get to that but just admission or saying it that's really flattery right and this is how we can get victimized because we feel like that guy or that girl gets it and they really just get enough, just just enough to pull us in right. to their side and, sh and to see them as exactly. a victim rather than as who they are. Right. Okay? So just be very careful as a helper, a friend, a parent, a brother or sister, especially if you're the brother and sister of the narcissist. Right. Um, please be careful not to not to uh, double down on the pain of the person who's suffering. Yes. By being a part of that painful experience. Exactly. Okay? Exactly. Let's, so how do you avoid this real quick? Because I think we're, we, we, we got to go. Oh, uh, wait. <laughs> somebody said my issue is that most people do not understand nar narcissists and how to really help us that are dealing with them. And so I'll ask you who had that comment. Are you currently married to a narcissist? Is that what you're saying? Um, and then go from there, because we definitely are. We are going to address that, too. Tonight. 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 We started Tonight a little bit late, so we night. might hold it a little bit later. <laughs> okay. So how do you avoid this if you're a helper in the church and you're and you're trying to deal with this and you don't want to be taken? You don't want to be a victim turned victimizer. Number one, I suggest what's called the restraining order rule. In the court of law, generally, generally, not uh -huh. in all, but right. in most, uh -huh. uh, when someone goes in for a restraining order, because it's almost it almost uh, reflects an immediate danger. Right. Safety is first. So what they do is they issue the order and then they turn back around and investigate that co order through court or trial. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's what I recommend. Number one, when someone comes to you and say, I am hurting and I need help, regardless of who's on the other side of that, take it seriously, validate it and move towards it and, and hold them, um, show them that you believe them and then begin the process of counseling them both so that you could do your, um, your investigation for yourself. Okay. Yes. Does that make sense, babe? Yeah, I think, and you know, don't wait until it's the, you know, situation where you're actually involved in it with somebody who's married to a narcissist. I think, you know, get that research up front. Get that stuff under your belt up front, not just narcissism, any type of emotional or physical abuse, researching those signs preemptively before that person, before those people potentially sit in your chair, know the signs, know what you're dealing with, know um, that honestly it is. Somebody said, is it the season to talk about it? It's not the season, but it's an epidemic right now in the age of social media and the age of women gaining more and more power in the workplace, therefore in the home, it is becoming more and more of an epidemic on both sides, both with men and women because of what's going on in our generation today. They've already, they've always existed. They've always existed, but it's normally only been with, you've only noticed it with people who are in positions of power because those kind of things go unchecked for so long with people in positions of power. Especially if you're living of a touch and touch not mind anointed type situation. Um, unfortunately, that's kind of where they exist. And it's kind of becomes an issue where they've been protected by uh, doctrines Um and I don't want to get too deep into that because mm-hmm. uh, we know too many good people in those and in, 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 in leadership and in churches. And I don't want to offend, but uh, narcissistic, narcissistic people, uh, abusers um, and, and so on and so forth has been protected uh, too long. And so you find them in those areas. So, yeah, I wouldn't suggest it's a it's a it's a season. It's, it's like um, it's like cameras, like um uh, like cell phone cams. Right, right. Now we're just seeing it more because it's more available to us. We have access to it. All right. Uh, second thing, real quick, have referrals on standby. If you're a lay person, if you're a lay counselor, if you're a leader in leadership, have some, some have referrals on, on standby, people who can't handle these things, people who can identify these things. And what we, um, and what we ask you to do is not to stereotype. Sometimes we want to respond to things. I, I tell you what, um, what really mm-hmm. got me going with that is that what you went through. Yes. Um, you got to understand that Takara is very outgoing, um, powerful, powerful voice, uh, wonderful woman. But it's but because she has such a great and outward personality, it's easy to stereotype her as too strong. Oh, yes. Too loud, too much. And she spent so much time trying not to be. And I don't want to tell your story. You could tell your story. Yeah. But she spent so much time trying not to be because she was stereotyped. And what she was just trying to do is do the opposite of what she thought that stereotype was in order that people could see her pain. Does that make sense? It did, does. Did I say it? Did I hit it? You did. You okay. absolutely did. We did. Let's. I think people want to hear how to deal with it. Okay. Um. You know, what do you do if you're in this situation, especially being married? We do not take marriage and the marriage covenant lightly. 
um, at all. And so we always want to be careful about how we address being married to someone. Um, but, you know, we're also very dogmatic about safety. We're also very dogmatic about emotional health and wellness. So um, we are very honest and very upfront about it. But we're also, you know, very sensitive to the fact that not just marriage is a covenant and it's sacred, but also this is somebody who you promised to love forever. This is somebody that you yeah. went into it saying that I will not leave. Um, and so how do you deal with that and reconcile all of that inside of this situation and living under this? And that's what we're about to tackle right now. Well, first of all, you need to understand yourself as the victim. Yeah. A lot of people who have married narcissists have have they generally see the narcissist as the victim. Because mm-hmm. that's what they've been trained to do. That's what they've been taught. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. First of all, you have to understand that being married to a narcissist or you have being married, you have a, a, a deeper uh, issue going on because you're trying to deal with the pain and you're trying not to uh, break the commitment. You mm-hmm. understand what I'm saying? That commitment means a lot. And so you have a lot invested in that commitment. Your beliefs are invested in that commitment. Your love is invested in that commitment. What you want out of life is invested in that commitment. And a lot of um, regular mundane things, like depending on how long you've been married, your finances are invested in that commitment. There's a lot there. Your children are invested in that commitment. Right. So there's a lot there mm-hmm. that you have to wade through in order to get to victim you blame yourself often you try harder because you blame yourself um you feel ashamed for wanting to leave when and and you and it's hard for you to call it abuse when it is in most cases not all cases but in most cases right um, but one of the biggest things is, is that you're afraid of what god might think of you for breaking that commitment for wanting to leave that for commitment thinking about for it. wanting to survive you're afraid that god does not want you to you're afraid that god wants the marriage to survive more than he wants you to survive mm. go ahead babe well what i was gonna say that's good you're afraid that god wants your marriage to survive more than he wants you to survive i just need you to let that sit with you but i will say this another thing that i think we always have to reconcile in our hearts is that if we're christians if we are um you know people of faith um one of the hardest things to reconcile is the fact that we married somebody who said they were a person of faith we married somebody who said they believe in god we married somebody who said that god is the head of their life and so we sit there and even you know people who are counselors and helpers to people in these situations it is also very hard to go through a situation like this and see that no change is coming and by giving up you're also saying that god could not change them before you get a new revelation by giving up, you begin to feel like how am, if I give up now, I'm saying God can't, if I give up now, I'm saying God won't. Yeah. And so a lot of times we stay in these situations, even for longer times than we need to, whether it's dating or married, we stay in it longer because we need to, because how do we reconcile in our hearts that, okay, Lord, I'm praying. And you said the prayers of the righteous availeth much and I'm fasting. And you said all these things come to those by prayer and fasting. What's it, what is it going to take either? you're not going to do it or God am I in such a way am I in such a bad way that you will not do it for me Mm. and that is certainly absolutely not the case what we tell people we want to make this clear because we 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 
we honor marriage. We want marriages to survive. But God does not put the institution over the people who participate in that institution. That's very, very important that you understand that. Mm-hmm. That you understand that um, that one of the it's not that God is not doing anything for you. As a matter of fact, more than likely he's protecting you. More than likely he's kept you strong through that situation. Yeah. More than likely he's given you additional strength um, when you haven't been getting rest. He's been giving you that additional rest because a lot of times a narcissist will try to keep you up at night. Um, it's just it's just natural for them to try to pull your attention. And, and it's almost like being in a POW camp. It's like you go through different ways of mental um, mental uh, abuse in order to torture, torture in order to break you. And you have to understand now, I'm, I will say this and we can get off this point because we got to move on. Yeah. That doesn't mean that God isn't working for you. See, sometimes God works in you rather than work for you. The problem is, is that they have a choice. Yes. I've said this time and time again, time and time and time again. If God loves everyone, if God loves the world and gave his only begotten son, that whosoever. Now, God wants everybody. Yeah. But the key is whosoever has nothing to do with agape love. Right. It has nothing to do with any of that kind of stuff. It doesn't mean that you don't love enough. It doesn't mean that he didn't love enough. It doesn't mean that he failed. It means that the key to love or to receiving God's love is whosoever. Yes. You can't do no more than God has done. And what you're dealing with is a whosoever. Right. And they have not. Right. And that's where you have to rest your thoughts and say, well, God strengthened me. What's the next step? Right. Go ahead. And it's definitely not our responsibility to say that somebody is not saved, that somebody is not a child of God. What we can say is that if you're in this situation, they are definitely not being led by God in those moments. And so what you have to begin to do is recognize that your prayers are being answered sometimes through what God is giving you the strength and the power and the knowledge to do about your situation for you. It's not always, it's not going to be him controlling somebody for the sake or the benefit of you. It is going to be them allowing God to influence them and allowing God to speak to them, but it's never going to be God forcing someone to do something for you. God is going to put action into you for you to make choices for you before he's going to force somebody else to do it for you. Right. He I'm might like, he might have even just just, you know, for some odd reason opened your mind up to a uh, podcast or uh uh Facebook live. <laughs> Somebody's talking about this stuff and it's exactly what you needed to hear to find the next step. I don't know. Right. You stay in tune when somebody else is not in tune. That's what we're trying to say. Yeah, yeah. And and we have to get out of that, that you know, and it's hard to not feel like God is not listening when we're praying through these situations, but understand again change your prayers and then I'm sorry because yes we'll move on now change your Mm -hmm. prayers from God is not listening to me to God let me know what I need to hear from you for me okay because a lot of times we feel like God is abandoning us in these situations and a lot and what's really happening is you're missing the boat literally and figuratively on what God is trying to do for you and through you you just can't see it because you're expecting him to do it in them and our prayer should always be to affect us first absolutely but God don't change people against their will exactly so put your amen. Towards him. amen okay let's go next <laughs> so as the victim and um uh let's see here I saw something Carlita Carlita mentioned 
um, something that that we're about to hit on. She was just a little bit ahead of us, but that's because she understands narcissism. Yeah, she's been, been there. there. She's been there, um, and so she really understands. But she talked about being empathic. One of the things that you need to know as the victim is the the very first thing you need to know outside of what we just talked about. Yeah, is know your condition. Yes. Know who you are. You can't make any moves until you know where you are and know that you're con- you, what your condition is. We're talking to both males and females. You're con- you are a natural nurturer or a fixer. Right. Understand that. Females, you are natural women. I apologize. You're a natural nurturer. Men, you're mm. a natural fixer. So what that means for women is that a woman would like to feed and and see something grow and live. You want to nurture, feed, and see something grow and live. For men, we like to fix and put together something so that it can live and thrive. Mm-hmm. And so the idea for both of us, both male and female, is if we're in a relationship with a narcissist, we're consistently trying to nurture or fix them out of their behavior. Right. And we be- and, and 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 while to be upfront it's kind of manipulative that's not what we want to do we just want to help them and we feel like we failed we take the accountability for it we take the 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 brunt of the failure right we take the brunt of being failed right as our failure. we take on yes we take on accountability the accountability of them hurting us. We take on the fault that somehow it was our fault for them hurting us. And we carry that, we carry that weight around and it's so not your fault for their choice in hurting you. Absolutely. Another thing is that they've, another part of your condition is to know that you've been conditioned and molded to think about them all day. Think about them all the time. You have to understand that a narcissist is very repetitive and over time, you will have been literally, mentally, emotionally, phys- physiologically molded yeah. to serve them. Yes. And ahead, it's, it's, and I, we're getting off topic because I, I want to help you guys. Talk and I know, Talk about it. Go ahead. I know being in this situation, especially being in a marriage, it's, it feels hopeless. And we do not want you to feel hopeless. Um, you've been, yes, in our book, we definitely talk about how you are groomed to be connected to this person. It's how God designed you. The other part of it though, is being in love with a narcissist. They also groom you by their behavior, by their mistreatment of you, by their constant judging, judging you, by their constant criticizing you. They also groom you to serve them because all throughout the way, once they got you in their hooks, they also make you feel like you're not good enough. So no matter what it is that you're going through, a narcissist is going to always have you feeling like you are not good enough for them. You were never good enough for them. So much so that even as you attempt to try to leave them, they are going to make you feel like the bad guy for protecting yourself even mm-hmm. when you try to begin to do things that pr- to protect your health your wholeness your emotional esteem they're going to make you feel like you're the bad guy for that because they have groomed you to control you that's why you keep going back but no plead your case no but no i promise i'm not mean the only reason why i mean is because you did this well i did this because you are this and then it starts that cycle all over again well tell me what do i need to do in order to be right with you what do i need to do in order to get you to love me right because i've given you everything 
And it starts to cycle over and over again. And what happens to you is you become emotionally dependent upon them because you're looking to them for cues of how to be, mm-hmm. how to feel, yes, how to respond, how to how to live. And you don't know it. You feel like you're pretty free outside of the situation that you have with that cat. Right. <laughs> or girl. Or whatever. Right. right. But the idea is to understand that you're molded. Okay. Yes, you are molded for this. Um, there are a lot of people who are talking about exes, so I'm gonna tell you where you need to go after this. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, if you're, in, we're, we're again, we're still talking to the married, so you need to know your condition. That's number one. Yes, know your condition. N- number two is you need to seek counseling alone. Yes. There are reasons why you seek counseling alone, mm-hmm. not with them, but alone. Number one. The first reason is that it'll bring you clarity upon what you're experiencing. More than likely, you've been getting, you've been gaslighted. You feel like you're crazy. You feel like there's something there, but they keep telling you that there's not nothing there and it's all in you. What happens with a licensed uh, counselor, LPC, yes. is that they're able to see your experience and give you feedback on what that experience actually is. It brings clarity to you. And then that eventually leads to a diagnosis. And, well, not a definitive diagnosis, like something's wrong with you, but they're able to see and diagnose and say whether you are, you're being abused or not. Right. Um, that's very, very important. You need to know that. Yeah. One of the things that counseling did for me, um, it was so funny because somebody was like, they were just like, well, how is a counselor going to tell you that you're supposed to get a divorce? What kind of counselor is that? No, my counselor didn't tell me that I was supposed to get yeah, a divorce. Counselors don't say that at all. My, what my counselor did, listen, the whole idea of counseling is not to help you get stronger to leave. It helps you get stronger to make a better decision for your emotional health and well-being. Yes. And so what counseling did for me, it didn't prime me to leave. What it did is it put me in a position that I could see that I was being abused, that I could see that I was not crazy, that I could see that it was not my fault. And then it gave me the strength to not only make the decision to leave, but it gave me the strength to understand and recognize what I was going to be dealing with as a result of leaving. And so what a counselor, what my counselor did is she walked me through everything that I was going to anticipate and expect if I decided to leave um, from there, how they were going to be, uh, when it would be an appropriate time to get a restraining order and things like that, because you do not know what's going to happen next in their mind. All you can do is prepare yourself for that mental and emotional, sometimes physical battle that is coming as a result of you being stronger. Because one thing we always tell people, a narcissist only recognizes you when you're weak. Yes. When you become stronger, it knocks them off their axis, completely out of control. And all they're going to try to do is number one, figure out who it is that has control over you. But number two, figure out, fight tooth and nail to find out what they can do to regain that control back over you. But the reason you got, you got to put this, the reason why they're trying to find out who it is that has control over you is because they don't see you as strong enough. Exactly. They still demean you even in their ability to get you. And that's, that, that's a hard case. Also, let's be honest here. Let's look in the last, not 10, let's look in the last five, maybe the last three years of how many, and and unfortunately, it's been men who has went and 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 killed someone who was trying to get away from them, and they yes. killed themselves or killed someone else. Right? How many? Right? 
how many right. and i'm not giving i'm not saying that's narcissistic personality disorder but there are narcissistic places in that if mm. i can't have you nobody will if you can't be mine nobody will this the, there's a lot of uh psychopathic or sociopathic response to that you have to understand that safety is a primary concern for a counselor um somebody did you see what you see the question LaShawn? Uh, no, well, I was looking at Lily, but go ahead. Well, LaShawn asked what was gaslighting. Gaslighting is basically when they make you feel crazy. It's, it's based upon a movie called Gaslight or something of that nature back in the 40s. And basically they was trying to drive this woman crazy. She knew something was wrong, but every time she asked somebody what was going on, everybody or the guy uh, responded, oh, nothing's going on. What? Are you, it must yeah. be you. Yeah, you're crazy. When, when you start hearing things like it must be you, right. oh, that's your problem. I did, I'm not really doing that or uh -huh. I'm not really saying that. Right. Whenever they deny and then flip whatever the situation is back on you and you feel like, oh my God, am I going crazy or something's wrong here? That's gaslighting. Absolutely. Um, and it wasn't Lily. I apologize. It was Michelle. She said, how do you discern the difference between a selfish, manipulative spirit and a true narcissist? Okay. So here's the thing. Where is a selfish, manipulative spirit mentioned? <laughs> Just answer the question. No, 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 no. Here's the thing. Because, because we, we like to attribute spirits to everything that we don't agree with. And the thing is, is that when we attribute a spirit to it, what the problem is that we begin to blame that spirit and we stop holding that person accountable. Exactly. We are held accountable for everything we do. If God holds us accountable, you hold them accountable. It has nothing to do with whatever spirit that is. It has everything to do with that they're either narcissistic, which is self-centered, uh, um, uh, everything that we've described in the first two or three broadcasts, but I want people to, it's very, 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 very important that we get away from over religiosity of people's behavior and start holding their feet to the fire. Right. Because that's what God will do. Right. When we look at Pharaoh in the old Testament, do we say, Oh, that's a narcissistic spirit or that's a selfish spirit. Or do we say that dude was a jerk? Right. You understand what I'm saying? When we Absolutely. look at Saul, even though Saul was vexed, do we blame a spirit or do we blame Saul? Because he was very narcissistic as well. Right. We blame Saul. I don't mean to go too deep into that, but <laughs> the, these are things that you, you have to understand two things about where Kenyon usually comes from. I come from a place of I, I two things I love. I love God and I love people. And so I've spent a lot of time and money studying both. <laughs> <laughs> And so, yeah, there is, a, there is a background of theology, but there's also a background of psychology. And it's so very important that we start getting away from um, our superstition way, superstitious way we look at things. Right. Well, and I think, too, number one, we mentioned it in the very first one. Somebody who was selfish and, and, and things like that, in order to be classified or considered narcissistic, there have to be um, more than how many on that list. Right. There are, um, there are nine um, behaviors, general right. behaviors for narcissism. It takes five of them Correct. to be officially diagnosed, but any less than that, you can still be narcissistic or like have the tendencies. What we always try to say is don't be in such a rush to diagnose, to somebody. diagnose somebody as that. And so what, if you're on the fence and trying to figure out what it is, I recommend, you know, I recommend definitely go back and listen to the first one. It's on SoundCloud. It's on iTunes. Find Ask the Martins. Um, sorry. 
the Soul Ties podcast right. on iTunes or right. SoundCloud. Um, but, you know, we definitely go deep into, into that, into the first one to help you identify if that's what you're dealing with. A selfish person is just a selfish person sometimes. And you're just dealing with somebody who never learned how to incorporate somebody else in their life. And that's one thing. I think... Go, I'm sorry, I was just going to say, when you begin to get into other types of behaviors, when it's less about just all about them and then it also becomes to groom you to uh, literally love, honor, obey, serve them, that's when you have to begin to look at whether or not you're dealing with a narcissist. Right. So. And a lot of it can be narcissistic. Let's be honest here. Many of us who spend a lot of time on Facebook share some narcissistic traits that doesn't make us dangerous, but it does make us a little bit self-indulgent. And so we have to, what we're doing here is to help you identify the traits that's dangerous to your relationship. Does that make sense? Dangerous to your relationship. And again, it ain't for them. For the most part, we're trying to make it about you. If you recognize you're with this person, we're giving you the opportunity to identify it and then make choices about it. Run to counseling, run to get help, run to connect with somebody who is going to help you through your emotional battle of dealing with this type of relationship. Absolutely. Lanika said, I need to get some definitions. I'm all over. That's OK. We under we we totally understand. And there's some things that I just get fired up about. in car. Yeah, I don't want him to, you know, <laughs> tongue whip the people, because the thing is, is that we are very adamant about accountability. Um, everything, if you've ever been through any of our, our, our courses, um, if you've been through our book, even if somebody hurts you at the end of it all, there is something in that you have to own. And by attributing so many things to spirits today is becoming very dangerous, especially to a narcissist, because as soon as you give the narcissist the scapegoat of a spirit to throw their bad behavior on, they'll use it. And guess what? Every time you try to get help, every time you try to get strong, it wasn't me. It was a spirit. Okay, if you can admit that, ma'am, sir, what are you doing to relieve yourself and lose yourself of that? But right now, we do not, we, we don't talk about spirits per se in these environments because there are very real issues, abuse, hardships, and things going on in the world today, in church homes, in regular homes all over the place that people are not seeing because they're just trying to pray away a spirit instead of holding somebody accountable for their bad behavior. Hey, Jesus is going to hold us accountable at that white throne. So I'm going to hold folks accountable right here at home yeah you hear me absolutely Absolutely. (laughs) okay so okay number one for the victims we were saying that you need to know your condition who you are what your what your nature is number two you need to seek counseling alone so that you could be validated so that you could be diagnosed so that you could be heard and listened to what they won't do is they won't tell you to go get a divorce they won't they won't what they will do is they give you clarity so that you can make better decisions right like my baby say okay number three is make a decision after you go through those things see you don't just jump up and jump out of a marriage you got to sit back and make a decision because yes there is help spoiler alert okay there is help for narcissists okay I'll tell you why sometimes it don't work. 
but there is help for a narcissist. So you need to make a decision. Are you going to be, are you going to stay or are you going to do whatever decision you make? You need to make that decision quietly, silently, deliberately, and definitively. You need to plan it. Whether right. you stay right. or go, if you're going to stay, you need to have a plan for staying. Okay. We both got to go through counseling because I can't live with this anymore. He has to do this. He has to be consistent in doing this. He has to, you, you have to, or he or she, you have to have a plan. Because if you don't have a plan and you move on emotion alone, you'll be right back there within the, within three months time. I promise you. Yes, ma'am. Um, and this is where I wholeheartedly 100% recommend what Kenyon calls a functional separation. Um, a working separation. Yeah, yeah. Um, because one of the things that happens is even if you, let's just say, a lot of times we get upset and it's like, that's it. I'm leaving. I'm walking out. And they say, okay, no, wait, wait, wait. I was just playing. Let's go to counseling. Let's go to counseling. And everything's fine for a few weeks or a few months. And then it's back to the same all over again. Okay. What we do with a functional separation is that you both go to counseling separately. You both get help separately. And the one who is the victim of this, one thing that you have to do and be adamant about is, sorry, a couple things, your healing, you have to be adamant about your healing and what you are willing to do to get healed and whole. Because even if you stay, you can't go back the same way that you entered in that relationship. And Absolutely. that was in a position of a victim. Number two, you have to be adamant about what you need to see from your spouse in order for you guys to reunite and get back together. Yes, they're going to say, but if we separate, we might as well get a divorce. No, if you separate, you might as well wait and see if they're actually going to make the necessary changes to be with you. And earn your love and earn your trust and win you back to a place where you are going to be subject and submitted to them. So you have to be adamant about your healing, be adamant and find out and identify exactly what you need during that time. And then you watch for the changes. You watch for the behavior. You watch to see if they respect your boundaries. You watch to see if they're actually making like necessary moves towards getting the help that they need. I, yes, I 100% back that up. Let me go ahead and define this real quick because a lot of people idea of separation is one step towards divorce and they're going out and starting to date, date somebody else already. Mm -hmm. That is not a functional separation. Exactly. That's not what we do. That's not what we perceive. That's not what we promote. What we promote is healing and growth for both parties. So when we talk about a functional separation, you may now the narcissist hates a functional separation because that means that there's less time controlling you. However, what we do is we say you separate, you separate, but you are still 110% married. Mm -hmm. There's just some things that you you're in a you're in a holding spot where there's some things that must take place in order for your marriage to be rebuilt and healthy right now is looking pretty toxic and deadly and poisonous. Exactly. And so you want to clean that out. You want to detox that both of you. So uh, the, the, the victim wants to heal like Takara said, and then the aggressor or the person, the narcissist, they want to begin the process of changing their behavior. Exactly. It can happen. Very final thing for the victim that we want you to learn is that you have to confront that behavior. A lot of people ask us, Takara, they say, can they get help? Can they? Well, I've, or I've what seen. what does it take 
for them to get help. What did you see? Well, no, no, I'm seeing in here. Um, they're asking, can they change? Can they get help? Um, somebody else, Jack, um, asked, will they recognize themselves as a narcissist? Jack, you are the bomb. By the way, speaking of bombs, what's up, Sir Jarvis? Um, <laughs> hey, Jarvis. You are the man. Listen. In order for a narcissist to get help, they got to be pulled to the carpet. You have to check their behavior. And I'm not talking check in a very disrespectful way, but you got to really deal with what's tolerable, what's intolerable, what you can't live with, what you can't live with for the rest of your life. You got to really talk to them about what they're doing because there's something you always say. I know you do. When you tell tell someone that they're hurting you. When you tell when you tell someone that they're hurting you, um, they then are made responsible and accountable for their behavior for not hurting you anymore. Once they know that their behavior hurts you, it makes them accountable for changing that behavior. If you continue and they do not change that behavior, then the responsibility now comes up on you to make the necessary change so they can't hurt you anymore. Absolutely. Absolutely. Did, did you guys get that? And so the biggest thing for the for you as a victim and for the narcissist is confronting that behavior because that's a part of how they get help. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a part of how a narcissist get help. Can a narcissist get help? Let's go ahead and answer that. And I think we'll be done with the series. Yeah. Okay. The only way a narcissist can get help is if they choose it. Yeah. A narcissist must now I've heard of a case where a narcissist didn't know that they were doing certain things, but that had to do with eh, maybe about they were doing things that they did not know was narcissistic mm-hmm. and they realized they was hurting other people. And mm-hmm. so they they changed their their direction and they got better. Now here's the thing. We already know one of the biggest issues with a narcissist is that they are not empathic. They do not feel other people's pain. It's very, so you yeah. have to have someone who's number one, able to feel another person's pain. Right. And and number two, able to recognize when they're wrong. And that's kind of the that's kind of a contradiction of what a narcissist actually it's like is. It's an oxymoron of a narcissist. Somebody asked, um, Shakita asked, how can you tell them that they need counseling? How can you help them understand that they need counseling? You don't tell them that they need counseling. You go to counseling and you let exactly. them know that they're hurting you. And if they ask, what do you, you know, because sometimes it comes out, what do you want me to do? You probably need to go ahead and go to counseling. Right. Um, you have to, you open the door, but what you want to do is you hold their feet to the fire. I think a lot of times what happens is, and, and you have a, such a great question because it's a question from your heart. How do I tell them that they need help? Mm-hmm. How do I tell them where to go get some help? And narcissist doesn't believe they need the help. They believe you need the help. Right. And so telling them that, telling them that is offensive to them. It's disgusting respectful to them and so if you ever tell them that then they're going to respond in a way that makes you the problem so you don't tell them you your heart might want to fix them but you can't fix them you can't tell them how to go get fixed they have to come here's what i'll say this isn't in the notes but i'll just say it okay become the consequence there you go become the consequence unfortunately it's not until we lose what we thought we'd never lose, what we thought was in the palm of our hands, until we realize mm-hmm. that we made a bad mistake. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, a narcissist needs to go through that. Yeah. However, they need Damascus experience, they need to be knocked off horses. 
However, <laughs> I've known, I've known, and, and and run across some narcissists who's been through that several times. Uh huh. And they didn't change. Like, had no idea. It was still everybody else's fault that they were going through all that. So it's not up to you to utilize consequence as a manipulation to get them to change. It's up to you to save yourself to survive Mm -hmm. and then monitor whether what they're saying is true. Does that make sense? Babe? It does. And and on that note, again, just like we say we're leaving in order to because, again, because they are not empathic, there are a lot of things that we do when we're in relationships with them. We do it to generate a response out of them. Mm. And I think that's really dangerous to you as well. So when we say if they don't want to go to counseling, you need to go by yourself. I'm also suggesting that you not immediately tell them that you're going to counseling by yourself. Check the motives when you do. When you say you're going to counseling, um, listen, uh, do not That's say. That's going on with me too. I've been drinking the soda. And I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> when they when you tell them that you're going to counseling, um, don't say it like, well, forget it. If you don't want to go with me, I'm going to just go by myself. Okay. Don't do it like that. Your goal is to go and get help for you. So if you're going to go, go and let them know, hey, I think I need some extra help. I'm going to go to counseling. Don't say it as if you're penalizing them for not going with you. Because what can happen, you will trigger a response that says, well, now they want to know what you're telling the counselor. Because they're going to want to control the narrative. They're going to want to control how that person Mm. sees you. They're going to want to control your, um, they're going to censor. They're going to want to censor how you talk to the counselor. So then what will happen is they'll agree to go, but only to literally scare you out of telling the truth about what's really going on. Absolutely. And so make sure that when you're communicating that you're going to be going to counseling, you're not doing it in a way to lash out at them. Because you're going to trigger all sorts of red flags that will keep you from getting the help you need. That's good. That is good and true. What does a narcissist need to do? I'm going to I'm going to get, hit you with these. What do they need to do to get the help that they need? Number one, they need to recognize that they have a problem. Mm-hmm. Number two, they need to accept that they have the problem. Recognition, recognition and acceptance are two different things. Correct. Um, then they need to acknowledge that they have the problem fully acknowledge that they have the problem, which means that they may need to get into specific behavior. Takara and I do this all the time. We're not narcissists, but we do this all the time. When we have a problem and we're going back and forth, we say, okay, I think I did this wrong to you. And we go specifically. Um, it, it, and that's exactly what they, they need to talk about what they did yes. that's wrong. That way they can be held to own it. And then they need to be demonstrably apologetic about the pain that they caused. That's very, very uh-huh. important. When I say demonstrably, I'm not saying, I'm sorry, babe. Uh, you know, I didn't mean it. You know, I got these weaknesses. You know, I got these problems. Uh-huh. No, it means a, a an effort, a concerted effort of change in behavior on a consistent basis. Yes, ma'am. Hit them good. So also, though, in that, and I am, when I saw that, when you wrote that, one of the things that I also definitely wanted to say is that when they are accountable, truly accountable for what they've done, a lot of times you also, they also need to recognize that their behavior could cost them you still. 
Just because they apologize doesn't mean you're going to stay. Just because they're sorry does not mean you are going to all of a sudden fall back in into that love and be there all over again. I think one of the tr- the the realest things that somebody can go through here is really be apologetic, but also really still end up losing the best thing that ever happened to them because they spent so much time down that certain path of hurt and abuse that that person just couldn't take it anymore. Right. And for me, that's what it was. Okay, you sorry? I'm really sorry that you're sorry, but I'm still going to go. Right, absolutely. And I've had those conversations yeah. with other, uh, with, with men who I talked to who had narcissistic behavior that, you know, hey, listen, when they're done, they're done. There's not much you can do. You need to try Try to salvage what you can right now right. through your behavior, and if that doesn't change them, at least you've grown for the next next time you go around this corner because you're you're really failing at this. Yeah. Um. And then you know they don't want me to share that with their. Well, their yeah, <laughs> because I think everybody and and again, counseling married couples is very it's very difficult because people always come and get help when it's the very last straw. Yeah, and a lot of times that straw is also holding on for dear life, and it's got a camel just sitting up on there. So one of the things that we always tell people is that if you recognize these things early, if your spouse, I. If you are on here and you are married and your spouse is telling you that your behavior is hurting them, I beg you, start now. Because once it's too late and it's gone, um, listen, no judgment here, but we know the shame that that people end up feeling when they lost their spouse to something that they could have changed a long time ago. Absolutely. So we have those steps that uh, narcissists must go through. They also must be consistent in their change. And they must be fully accountable for the, their behavior. Let's close this out. Um, I know we got to go, but I want to close this out with a message to the narcissist. A lot of people don't know that they're narcissists, but just in case you might have an idea that you are. I, I've had them. I had them say, well, yeah, I Ooh, could be narcissistic. Wait. But but just a message to the narcissist from the victim. Yes, ma'am. Well, Desiree just asked a question. Let's what, let's answer that. What thing. would a, would a public announcement be uh, monstrous? I think she's meaning like um, because I think she means demonstrably the way you uh, mm-hmm. said that. She said because public embarrassment and bad public image is Jeffa for a narcissist, and I'm gonna disagree that that's necessarily um, a good display of an apology. Why? Because if they're doing it publicly, that means they want somebody to see. If they're doing it publicly, it means that they want somebody on, they want people on their side and on their team. Because if you still choose to walk away, they're going to have people on their side that say, oh, you did the best you can. Oh, I see that you tried to do that, man. Hey, big ups for really just owning your stuff like that, man. Big ups. And so they're still getting some sort of gratification to their person to for putting something out there like that publicly. Because you know what all that's going to do? is allow him to eat more easily slip into somebody else's DMs after you leave and walk away. Absolutely. Let me tell you, with narcissists, because there are they are so very good at speaking mm-hmm. and so articulate, actions speak louder than words. Yes. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. Um, money talks <laughs> and money is action. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? It, yeah. That's what you want from a narcissist. You want action and activity and consistently. Okay. Yeah. You ready for me to go ahead and hit these? Yes, go ahead. Okay. Uh, really, really quick. What you need to know as a narcissist, uh, your spouse is not you. 
And what we mean by that is your spouse is not an extension of your pride or is not an extension of making you feel better about yourself. It's not an extension of validation. Your spouse is a person. Your spouse Mm -hmm. is not meant to feed you. Your spouse is meant to be who they are and you're supposed to partner with them, but they are not there to make you uh, to 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 be the planet around you as the sun. Mm-hmm. It's very very important that you treat your spouse and value your spouse as a person, as a singular individual and being who is not there for you only. Next thing you need to know that victims want you to know, your victim, your spouse wants you to know is the, you need to feel your shame. You need to sit in it. You need to marinate and 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 what you've done that hurt others. Yeah. One of the biggest problems is that you can't feel empathy. You can feel anger. You don't like to be pushed and you don't like to be told that you're wrong. Well, you need to sit and being wrong. Uh, you need to deal with the shame of knowing what you did, accepting what you did, addressing what you did and, and, and um, action and doing some sincere actions and uh, going against what you did. Right. Okay, number three, you are not the star. (laughs) You are not the star of your own show. I don't care what book you read. I don't care what it is. You are not the star of your own movie. Um, It's not about you. And the best way to get out of that is to learn to serve others. Learn to serve your spouse. Put your spouse front and center. Make sure that they are your star. Yeah. And, and just as a side note, I can guarantee you as a, just as a man that when you make your wife or your husband, your spouse, your star, you doggone sure will be theirs. Yeah. Regardless. OK. And finally, your spouse's fr- frustration and anger and exhaustion is your fault. Receive it. Just mm-hmm. receive that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a cry for help. Uh, it's them showing how committed they've been just staying there and they didn't walk away dealing with you. Do you understand that? Learn to empathize with them. Learn how to understand that they're hurting and decide not to hurt them no more and begin to change. Thank you for listening to the Soul Ties podcast recorded live on Facebook and distributed to iTunes and SoundCloud. Help us spread the word by rating us leaving a review and sharing and be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. If this episode has helped you and you're ready to begin your personal journey to freedom, visit us at the If you have questions that you'd like us to answer live, please visit us on Facebook or Instagram and Twitter at ask the Martins. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Soul Ties podcast. We hope you enjoyed the program.